Um, youth need to go. Thanks, Sam. But Karina, you're going to come read to us, aren't you, before you go? Thank you. And then Hanau's going to come up and speak. Okay, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Thanks, Karina. Hi, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you all. So last week, Ben started our two-part series on the vision of St. Peter's and what we sense God calling us into in this season. I often think of seasons to be in the school term, so September often feels like a new season, although we're in October now, so that's not quite right. But Ben spoke last week on the vision of St. Peter's, being that we want to play our part in seeing heaven come to southeast London. And Ben focused in on one of our really core values, which is to be a church that is ambitiously local. Now, ambition is a funny word, but what we are trying to say through that value and something that we as a church believe is that we do not want to just gather people in here on a Sunday. We want to see our local community thriving. We want to see heaven break out on the streets of Broccoli and beyond. And Ben focused in on how we are going to be a church that plants and grafts churches so we are known um, in the Anglican terms as a resourcing church and we have been asked by the diocese to help other churches uh, thrive and we feel really privileged to be a part of that but Ben spoke about two exciting things that are happening in the new year here at St Peter's which is that we're going to be grafting into a church in Forest Hill, Holy Trinity Sydenham and in Kidbrook, um, St James Kidbrook and we're going to be helping, we're going to be sending people and money and resources to these churches to see them thrive as well. So Ben focused in on that, being ambitiously local by planting it in grafting churches, but this morning I'm going to be talking about how we can be ambitiously local in how we love broccoli and beyond. Does anybody know what love broccoli is? Some people. Do you know what love broccoli is? Okay, well, I'm going to tell you what Love Broccoli is. Love Broccoli is all our outward-facing initiatives that we do here at St. Peter's. Love Broccoli looks out to the community. Basically, our doors are open Monday through to Saturday, and there is so much that we are doing in terms of meeting the needs in our community. But the vision of Love Broccoli is exactly the same as that of the church, which is to play our part in bringing heaven to Broccoli, to seeing heaven break out. What is heaven? Heaven is the power and the presence of God. We believe that we carry that out onto the streets of Broccoli and wherever we live. That is our mission. That is Love Broccoli's mission along with the church's mission. But we see that Love Broccoli is a way of making that stuff happen. So Love Broccoli, I'm going to give you a whistle-stop tour of Love Broccoli because we, we do do so much and I think it's worth knowing. We have a few new people I've noticed this morning. Welcome. Good to see you. My name's Hanal. I lead the church with Ben if you don't know who I am. And um, it's worth you just knowing the flow of the week. So Monday starts with a bang, 9.30. We open up this amazing space to all the toddlers, parents and carers in our community, Little Fishes. Little 
little fishes caffeinates uh, parents and carers, make sure that they wake up on a Monday morning, but also it gives children a massive adventure playground in here to enjoy. The, the heating is actually underfloor heating, which people often comment on. That's often the first thing people tell me they love. Um, but the doors open wide for that, that part of our community. Then on Monday afternoons, one till three, we open the doors again uh, with an amazing team, uh, the Bumps and Babies team. We have um, a team who basically welcome. We've now got over 30 mums and little babies, haven't we, Beth, um, coming on a Monday afternoon. Beth um, uh, is a befriender. She helps uh, support people in uh, their feeding journey. And we also have a lactation consultant as well because we know that mums really struggle in those early days. And we just um, come in, they come in, they eat cake, they drink tea, and they find connection together here. It's a really beautiful thing to see. We have a dance school that runs here. I don't know if you know that. On Monday afternoons and Tuesday afternoons, we open the doors again, welcome in our community. This is a community space that's really thriving and a real hub. We have more coffee and a lot of biscuits that the children seem to steal. Um, and we have dance classes. Dance is an amazing way to bring people together. I am a dancer. I'm passionate about using dance to build community. And we've seen amazing, amazing things happen to do that. In Peters, we give out 40% bursary, so we give dance free dance classes to kids who wouldn't normally get to do that. And we have dance classes for children in all these rooms. That's why I'm pointing. And we also have um, classes for adults as well. So that's dancers and Peters. We then have the social, we have Growing Hope, which is our amazing, uh, which is an amazing charity that runs from that room, which gives uh, free, um, free therapy to children who have additional needs. We, we know that the NHS is really, really stretched and this service just is meeting the needs of so many of our children and really encouraging parents in our community whose children have additional needs and need extra support. We have an occupational therapist, we have a physiotherapist, we have a music therapist, we have lots of different things that we are offering um, through that and there's also the offer of prayer as well within that. We have um, St. Peter's Social Supermarket on a Wednesday. You see, I have to keep checking my notes so I don't miss anything. Um, St. Peter's Social Supermarket started in the pandemic, was a food bank, and then it's grown into this amazing, amazing supermarket that runs on a Wednesday. There is literally fruit and veg just like flowing here. People pay a small amount and then they can come in and do their shopping. They have that moment where they can um, get what they choose rather than just being given stuff. But we also have an amazing delivery team who deliver to people across Broccoli. And within the Social Supermarket, we have a well, health and well-being um, club that Anne McBride runs. We also have the job club, which runs within the food bank now, where we help people get into meaningful work. Um, we also have, um, I think someone comes and helps people with their devices, fix their devices and stuff. So there's just a hub of community happening on a Wednesday here um, at the social supermarket. On Wednesday afternoons after school, we have a creation club for children who uh, want um, to do art, and Anna uses that to talk to children about, um, you know, being um, eco-friendly and how we can look after environment and again we pay for children to do that children who wouldn't normally get to access after school activities and that is amazing we also have a youth the youth bus run a homework club on a Wednesday after school where they invite the local youth to come straight after school help bit of help with homework and just a bit of time to spend together to get to know other youth in the area we also have the Friendship Cafe, which runs every first and third Friday of the month in here. This has been running a long time. Beautiful um, community that is built here through um, Carol and the team. They offer, they offer a tea and a cake, which is very good, freshly made cake. And they um, really are meeting the needs of some of our elderly people in our community, those who feel a bit isolated and alone. But there's people from all generations who come to that, so that's every first and third Friday. And then we have Unconditional, which is an amazing um, initiative that has started through Myra and Frank 
monkey in the team, which is helping people who um, are, are getting out of domestic abuse or have suffered domestic abuse to find hope and healing and to find connection with others who have maybe gone through the same thing. We also have a group, uh, a gardening group that has started here, a community garden. We have um, This is a new thing that is coming soon. I won't give all the details, so I don't want you to know everything just yet. But um, we are going to be transforming parts of the space around our church into a beautiful garden, growing beautiful things, vegetables that hopefully then could be given to people at the food bank, but also helping, uh, using it as a therapeutic tool for different people who are needing to recover. Um, and there's going to be more of that. I've maybe not sold that exactly correctly. Um, we also have a group of people who gather um, regularly to talk about how we as a church can be uh, helping uh, youth violence in our area, helping stop it, helping stand in the gap for people. Um, and we have ama- the amazing Jason and Tayo who run um, Operation Forgiveness, where they go into primary schools and talk to them about uh, forgiveness and talk to them about their own experiences of this, which again, more of that is coming soon. We're going to tell you more about that. But there is a lot, and I'll take a deep breath now. Yeah. Yeah, I actually do think that is worth a round of applause to everybody who plays their part in those initiatives. So thank you so much. It really, it really is remarkable, everything that is growing and flourishing here and people's gifts being used in the most amazing ways. And I'm just so thankful to God for what he is doing amongst us here through Love Broccoli. But I also just want to tell you some of the things that we're seeing happen. Because we believe that even though we would love to be, you know, a nice community centre and that would be great, it doesn't stop there. We want to see this other value that we talk about. We want to see Jesus made known through everything that we do. We want to see his love for us and his power for us flow through all these initiatives. And we are seeing that happen in so many amazing ways. I would say I have a conversation a week with people who are just overwhelmed with the love they experience when they come in this building. So that's a building-focused thing. But I I spend a lot of time here on a Monday just chatting to people. And they're just always amazed by the peace and the presence of God that is here. And then I often say, well, I believe that's the Holy Spirit and that is present here. And and then I often offer to to pray for people. But I, I, I see that as a beautiful fruit of what we're doing here in terms of coming in the building. I know that Anne um, in particular and the Food Bank team have many stories of miraculous healings. I must say, if you want to see people who are open to receiving healing and open to the love of Jesus come to the social supermarket on a Wednesday, people are just open. They're hungry for Jesus here on a Wednesday. It is absolutely amazing. I learn so much in the process when I, when I pop in. Um, that a lady the other day, apparently, actually just literally this Wednesday, was walking around. She came two ha- hours early. She couldn't find us, but then found us early. And she came in. She had, was suffering from knee pain. Um, and some people from the team prayed for her. And she was healed instantly. Um, and the, the, the pain left her body. Oh, just amazing. Amazing. And we're seeing stories like that often throughout the week. Um, and I, I can't even give you all the There's loads of testimonies. We could maybe just have a week where we give testimonies about Love Broccoli. But I'm not going to do that now because I've got other things to say. So there is so much that God is doing. He's doing magnificent things. But yet, there is still so much need. There is still so much need on the streets of Broccoli, put in the, the place that you live, Just look at your neighbor. There is still so much need. So how do we respond? How do we respond? Because what I don't want us to do is just close our eyes and ignore. 
There are a few different responses we can have. Some of us will just at this point be like, whoop, I'm, I'm out. I'm closing my eyes. I don't want to hear about the needs this morning, Hanel. I just want it nor I don't have time to think about this. For others of us, we choose to look inward at ourselves and our lack and our inability to meet these needs. We choose to kind of agree with the guilt and the shame that we, we're not enough. We look inwards. And for others of us, we just look a little bit too much. We're like, oh my gosh, there is so much to do. Get me out of here. I need to go and do some stuff. I need to get busy. I need to overcommit to things um, to the point where you start to feel a little bit resentful because you feel like you're the only one getting on with things. But can I suggest that none of those ways of looking at things is going to help us and none of those ways are healthy, looking, closing your eyes, looking inwards or looking too much. How about we look at Jesus's response? Jesus is always the answer. How does Jesus respond to the need? Because we read in the Gospels, Jesus sees a lot of need. He is, not, he is not a person who was not exposed to the need. He saw it. And we can see how he responds. We can learn so much from his response. Now, we've got a nice short verse this morning. So I'm going to reread it because it's not too long. But we're in Matthew. You can open your Bibles because I'm going to jump into chapter 10 as well. So Matthew 9 Verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out the workers into his harvest field. So let's just put the context of this verse in. Before this verse, Jesus has done lots of healings, um, not just healing, he's connected with people, he's loved people, he's shown compassion to people, he's done many things. Just literally in chapter 9, he's um, seen a dead girl risen from the dead, he's healed a sick woman. Just before this, he's healed a blind and mute person. Jesus has been in the business of doing the stuff, bringing heaven out onto the chaotic world, into the chaotic world that he is in. But then, straight after this verse that we're reading this morning, Jesus sends out the 12. He sends out the 12, and we read in chapter 10, Jesus called the 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and illness. So this is a key moment in Jesus' ministry. This is a momentous moment where he is not just going to be the guy doing all the things. He is sending out his disciples. He is telling them that they too can go out and take heaven with them. They can, they can do all the things he did and he is giving them authority. So this is a significant moment. And I believe, Ben and I believe, that this really actually aligns with what we sense God speaking to us about for us as a church that this too is a significant moment for us to step out, to multiply, to see multiplication, whether it be through joining the church plants and grafts or blessing them, or whether it be through us ourselves realizing that there is more that we can be doing in terms of taking heaven out of this building and seeing heaven come amongst us and break out. So Jesus in this passage is sending out, he's multiplying, he's seeing heaven break out through his disciples who he has called. So they've been watching him for a while and now he's sending them to do the stuff that he did. And we believe this is a key moment for us as a church to really kind of receive this teaching from Jesus. So some key questions that we may need to ask of the text. What is the plentiful harvest he is talking about? 
is it a, you know, a, a beautiful field full of luscious grain, you know, ready to be taken? Well, actually, I don't think this is what he's talking about. Because if we read before, just before he says about the plentiful harvest, we see Jesus see the crowds who are harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he says to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful. So Jesus is seeing harassed and helpless people, but he sees that as a plentiful harvest. So he isn't talking about a healthy field that he's going to go and you know, take in. He's talking about a bunch of people who need saving. That is what Jesus is seeing. Jesus came for the sick, not for the healthy. He says that at another point in, in the Gospels. He didn't come for those of us who think we're okay and we just want to tag Jesus on the top of our lives. He came to save people. He came to save the lost and the lonely, the destitute, the desperate, the anxious, the fearful. That is who he came to save. And this is what he is seeing. He is seeing these people and he knows that they need saving. So what do you see? What do I see around me in Broccoli and beyond? Well, I see injustice. I see an an unjust legal system at times. I see a cost of living crisis. I don't know how many times I've had that conversation this week. I see knife crime that is rife on our streets. I see youth who are disillusioned and in pain. I see severe mental illness. I see loneliness. I, and then let's just look out at the world. We see nuclear war. We see famine. We see um, conflict in Europe, in Iran. And then let's just full circle and come back to ourselves. We see ourselves often harassed and helpless. And then we literally only need to look to our left and right and see our neighbours who are also in need. So what am I saying here? We need to open our eyes. The harvest is plentiful. The opportunities for heaven to eradicate hell are literally everywhere. And that is what Jesus is saying in, that passage, in this passage. So what is the problem then? Because Jesus doesn't just give us the opportunity of the plentiful harvest and everything that we can do. He pr does present us with a problem. He says that the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out the workers into the harvest field. So it is, at this point, Jesus is saying, okay, guys. I've done a lot of the heavy lifting. I've been doing the healing. I've been, you know, responding to people in need. And it is at this point that almost Jesus is saying, I can't do it on my own. Disciples, guys, come on. I'm giving you authority to go out and do exactly the same stuff that I have been doing to fill the earth with my power, with my presence, and to multiply his mission to see heaven come to earth. So Jesus is calling his workers to multiply. That's what he's doing in this moment. And it's a similar thing that we sense for us as a church. There's a multiplication that needs to happen for us to see what, God, um, what, we, what we hope God to do in our streets and in our homes and in our workplaces. We all need to become workers in the kingdom of God. We're all workers. There's not one of us who hasn't got a, a job to do, a role to play, um, something to give. We all get to play our part. And we had a um, three-week series on the body a few weeks ago. I would encourage you to listen to that again if you haven't, because we spoke about that, how we all can play our part, how we can operate as a body of believers, not just one or two people carrying all the loads. 
So how do we do this? Well, can I tell you what we don't do? At this point, we don't then feel just riddled with guilt, a little bit overwhelmed, a little bit ashamed, because actually you're like, oh gosh, I haven't signed up for anything. I'm not doing anything. I'm so, such a bad Christian. No, that is not what we're doing right now. How do we become an effective worker in the kingdom of God to take advantage of the harvest that is right in front of us, to take advantage of the needs that are right in front of us? Well, the key to this whole passage is in verse 36. When he saw the crowd, he had compassion. When he saw the crowd, he had compassion. Jesus was a man of deep compassion. And that word compassion actually translates in the Greek to literally a movement of the bowels. So Jesus literally saw the crowds. He saw the harassed and helpless sheep without a shepherd. And his bowels were literally moved with compassion. Um, In the Greek, they say that the bowels were thought to be like the seat of love and pity. It's where it is carried. So Jesus doesn't just see the need and think, oh gosh, that's really hard. I'll have a little cry about it. He is then moved with compassion to respond. He is moved with compassion to do remarkable things. And obviously he's Jesus, so he does a great job of it, let's be honest. So what does Jesus do when he is moved to compassion? And we see it throughout the Gospels. I actually do have a little read. You'll see throughout the Gospels, often Jesus, the verse is Jesus was moved with compassion. So this isn't the only moment we see um, that Greek word being used. Jesus is moved to feed people, literally feed people. Um, He's moved to heal people, to listen to people, to talk to people, to comfort people, to teach people. He has moved with compassion into action. He doesn't just sit with his compassion. It moves him to do something. And I believe that like Jesus, we too can receive that, that that gut compassion to not just do things in our own strength because we think it's a good idea and it'd be, it'd, be, it'd be nice to be nice to people and good to people. But because we're moved with compassion for people, because we actually see the harassed and helpless sheep, to use Jesus' words, not in our own might and strength, but through his power, through his Holy Spirit in us. And it's, it's not, not sitting with the overwhelm. It's not an overwhelming feeling. It's that of the spirit that moves us into that compassion. So what does that look like, that move of compassion I'm talking about? Because some people are thinking, I don't understand what it means to be like moved in my bowels. That's a little bit weird. And now do you need the toilet? No. It's going to be different for all of us, isn't it? None of us in here are the same. None of us have things, none of us have the same day-to-day experiences. Like everyone has a different routine. Everyone sees different things on their walk to work or school or wherever you're going um, for your daily trips. Everybody is in a different context. We are all got different ways that we are going to be moved with compassion. All of us have different life experiences, things that have happened to us, which moves us to do the things that Jesus did. So we're all different. Um... But I personally, uh, you know, I have different ways, but I, there's a significant moment in my life which has led me on to, to do a lot of the stuff that I do for the kingdom now, which is I, um, when I was a student, I was living on an estate and I, it was a beautiful estate with beautiful community and I lived in the bakery above, um, above the bakery, actually not in the bakery, although that would be nice. Um, it smelled really good in the morning. Um, but I lived above the bakery and I was on like the main street um, really of this estate and I would often get woken in the night because people, uh, some of the youth were like fighting their dogs. That seemed to be an activity that, that, that they were doing and I would often like kind of sit up and then look out the window and I'd be like, oh gosh, this is 
this is really noisy for one, but also this, this is really sad. Like, why, why are they spending their time doing this? And I know there was a lot of other stuff going on that I didn't understand at that point because I was an 18-year-old girl with not much clue um, about what was going on in the city of London because I grew up outside of London. So I, I was looking out and I, um, I then one other night woke up without the noise. There was no noise. And I was literally moved, like moved, moved to cry for the whole night. I just spent the whole night crying because of some of the stuff I knew was going on on our streets. And it was from this place that I then started to have this conversation with God. God, what do I do with this? What do I do with what I'm seeing here? Help. I don't know how I'm meant to help. I know that you're, I think you're asking me to do something because I'm moved. Like, I, I, I don't want this to happen here. I don't want to, I don't want to live in this chaos. Um, and I don't want to see the kids and the youth feel like they have nowhere to go. And so that led me on. I'm a dancer, so I led, I, I was, you know, often you just look at your skills. I, I used my dance skills. I also teach dance to set up a project uh, giving you know, dance classes to youth and to children. And, and it was on the first week, I just flyed around. Obviously, I, m I made friends with people. So I was working with other people um, who were living there. Um, so obviously, I made friends. I like making friends. Um, and what was amazing from that kind of gut reaction was what flowed from it. We had an amazing dance school that got set up and like lots of people joined in. We saw amazing kind of uh, moments of of kids just like literally realizing their talent um, but also some kids went on to then train in other places and just amazing sense of like significance um, for the community and people getting involved and it, it's grown into other things um, now and I'm obviously not involved but uh, for me what's significant about this story is where it started and I think that can encourage all of us this morning and wherever we're at that so often it starts with God moving you and showing you something that is not right and it is from that place that we move because it is from there that things flow freely rather than because of our good ideas or our guilt or the fact that we feel like we need to do something um, out of duty to help people. It, it flows from that place. In a similar way, the food bank starting here did flow from this place of just despair, really. You know, during the pandemic, we, we were receiving lots of people at the vicarage knocking on the door asking for food. And it, it got to a point where in one day, my whole fr our whole fridge was empty because we'd given it all away because, uh, you know, we were all locked in our houses. So people who normally ask for their needs to be met out, you know, whether it be um, at shops or, you know, just out on the street or even looking through dustbins, um, they just weren't, they weren't finding that stuff. So they came to us, obviously, obvious places often in the church, praise God. Um, and it was from that place of despair. And Ben and I had moments of, like, crying in our kitchen about what we were seeing and um, people suffering addiction, domestic abuse, like it, it, it was pretty full on. But, it, but it, from that place, we didn't just sit in despair and overwhelm. There was like a movement into uh, some ideas, allowing the Holy Spirit to give us um, strength and courage to open the doors and do things in a different way. So this, this, this is what Jesus wants to give us. He wants to give us his heart. He wants to give us his compassion. He wants us to be moved by the things that he's moved by. Not so that we become overwhelmed, but so that we take his power and presence into a, a chaotic and, and dark world, really. And I just want to clarify that I'm not talking about, oh, let's all be moved to start a charity. Or let's all be moved to serve one of St. Peter's ministries. There's acts of compassion aren't just projects, 
acts of compassion are people. How many people do you see in a day? I see so many people in a day, so many people who are in need of hope and healing. So it's, it's things that you feel, you, initiatives, yeah, go for it, you could set things up. But also it's just seeing the people in front of us, the harassed and helpless sheep who need a savior, who need a shepherd. I was walking down the street on Friday and, um, and I have decided I need to look, a, look up a bit more. I don't know, do you sometimes find that? You just walk around like this and often on your phones. Um, so I was looking up, and I ran into my neighbor, um, someone I met actually at the street party a few months ago when we did the Jubilee, and, and I had just the most amazing moment with her where she shared with me that she'd broken her wrist, and I offered to pray for healing, and she said she didn't want me to pray, which was cool. Um, so I didn't pray, but I did pray when I walked away. Um, but just this beautiful moment of connection with my beautiful neighbor, and, and, hearing, and hearing how she's doing and just having that moment of compassion for her. Not pity, compassion, love for her, you know? Um, and connecting with her, and I, and I said that we'd have a cup of tea in a few weeks. But there's, there's small acts of compassion. Are you with me? Small acts of compassion, big things, okay? And we have people in our church doing amazing things that we can get along and support. But the key is not to be overwhelmed. The key key in these moments is to realize that God has a huge heart of compassion for us, for you. He literally wants to lavish his compassion on us so that we can give it away. And it's like this constant cycle of him giving and us giving out. If you feel like, do you know what, Hanel, I... I've not done much of this, you know, social action stuff. Honestly, St. Peter's, there are amazing people here who have been operating in this stuff for ages in terms of meeting, like, actual needs in the community. Come along to any of our love, to be honest with you, we are in, I didn't really want to do a call for team, but we are in need of team, um, especially for little fishes on a Monday morning, people who are passionate about parents and carers. And we definitely need more team for Wednesdays, for social supermarket prayer and kindness team at that. So there is still need. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like, oh, we're all fine. It's all going great. Um, Anne and I do sometimes on our Thursday morning meetings wonder, is the help coming? So please, please, if if you would love to learn more about this stuff that I'm talking about, how to respond with compassion to people who aren't like you or going through stuff that you don't go through, um, this is a great training ground, actually, where you can, um, we, we do a bit of teaching on how to pray for people, um, how to, um, you know, ha- how to be with people in their pain and in their suffering. Um, we do do a bit of that. So there is that. But then there is us and our day-to-day lives. What would it look like if each of us went from this place, filled with his compassion for us, feeling totally free to give it away to someone this week, to a situation this week? Well, I think it would look like many workers. It would look the opposite to to Jesus' problem of the workers are few. It would look like many workers. It would look like not some of us doing it because we feel good enough, but all of us playing our part to bring heaven to Southeast London through small acts of compassion to big acts of compassion. They're all the same to Jesus. It's compassion. So it would look like everyone playing their part, and it would actually look like us being, being the body, being the body, really. And I think we would see more of heaven breaking out. And I think we would have Sundays where there was just cues and cues of testimonies of how we saw people's, people's needs being met, but also seeing people receive the love of Jesus. So this is kind of what we're thinking about over this year. 
how more of us can be playing our part in this. For some of us right now, we're like, oh, I'm just kind of catching up. For others of us, we feel, you know, ready, ready for this. But there's going to be more coming in terms of us talking about how and where we're going to be sending people out to church plants and grass. We would love to see Love Kidbrook. We would love to see Love Forest Hill and also joining with other amazing initiatives that churches are doing in other places too. So it isn't just us, but we would love to see uh, some of the stuff that we do here um, flowing into, into the other churches as well, which will take um, more of us getting involved um, and understanding what God is calling each of us to. But why don't we stand and just spend some time just allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us because it's all good and well, me speaking and getting passionate. But God has got plans for each of us and it's in these moments that we call response where we can respond to what we sense God saying to us. So I invite you to close your eyes so you're not distracted. You may want to open your hands. Luke, if you could come up, we're going to have some music too.